Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. When many people saw Amara LaNegra come out and she was on Love and Hip Hop Miami, those of you who know about that, um, if you don't know about that, I'm pretty sure you've seen her. She is the uh, Afro-Latina sister that would have the um, Afro, and she wore the Afro a lot. And she started to talk about what she dealt with in being a Afro-Latina and about the colorism issue that goes on in a lot of Latin countries. Now, understand that, you know, just thinking about going back to the past when you had the indigenous people there, the Spaniard is the one that brought all the racism and white supremacy to those regions. And when they brought that particular same thing they literally brought here to America, they did things a lot different than the white supremacists here. Uh, for instance, like the white supremacists here in America, if they would have a child with a black woman, they'd say that child ain't white, that child's black. But in a place like the Dominican Republic, they would say, oh, that child is a Spaniard, even though that child it comes from a plantation rape. So some of them actually believe that they are Spanish and not African. And there's a reason also why they don't want to be identified as black. And I will share the actually particular article uh, from my wife to actually highlight a lot of it and brings a lot of truth about it because we need to talk about it because we see more and more issues and problems and people not understanding where it's coming from. And I believe that if you want to tackle racism, white supremacy head on and its effects, that we have to talk about it because I have people that come to our show um, who are, you know, Mexican, Puerto Rican. Um, they could be Brazilian, um, you know, from the DR. I mean, all over, you know, Colombia. I have, you know, people all over, you know, the world that come to listen to our show and we need to start touching on these problems. And some of these issues are still considered the African diaspora because we do have a lot of black people in these countries. Now, on this particular article is from uh, Hip Latina, and the title of it is Why Understanding Colorism Within the Latino Community is So Important. So the author starts off talking about that uh, they grew up Peruvian and in a Colombian household, and when they was around their family members who had indigenous features uh, like herself, you know, with tan skin, thick black hair, and dark features, he says she never felt the need to look differently have always been comfortable in her own skin. And it wasn't until she was exposed to other Latinos in everyday life that she learned that she had complexes about their skin color. Okay. So she says, she remember she had a friend who was fair skinned, a white presenting Latina who would make remarks about her tan complexion. Now her particular complexion would be, you know, the dark Brown uh, people that you would see uh, that, that come over, um, a lot of times, and they would be ridiculed in, in their society. So while they made, you know, the comments about her complexion, she said she just shrugged it off. It didn't affect her. But she remember, she said one summer she was at a party taking pictures and looking at them, she had jokingly and associated, say, we're talking about the white-looking friend. He said, look at you in this pic, looking like an Aztec Indian. 
Now, she said she was insulted by her ignorant comment, and she couldn't understand why it was a big deal that she was naturally tan, which instead of naturally tan, you just have melanin. That's just about it. And so she said in retrospect, she realized she was projecting her own complexities onto me in order to make herself feel superior, meaning the white-looking Latina. Now, that goes back to racism, white supremacy, that the white skin is better and the darker skin is bad, Okay. So you see a lot of the people that, you know, are indigenous, you see, you know, they're darker and you have to understand a lot of them are a mixture and you're going to hear the talk a little bit later about black blood, which I thought it was very interesting, but you have some, like you say, they would look, you know, definitely black, some that's, you know, look indigenous, some that look, you know, the mixture of the two, you have some that may look like they have a blonde hair and blue eyes. I mean, I've seen that. So they talk about that colorism, is a big thing and it persists in Latino communities. So colorism is the preferential treatment they was talking about of those who have lighter skin than those who have darker skin within a group of people. Now you had a city college professor of Latin American and Latino studies named Iris Lopez. She talked about Latinos are very color conscious and use a color classification, which includes categories such as Blanco, Negro, is it Indio, you got Moreno, Mulata, etc. Say because Latinos don't identify with a race, uh, Lopez says that they tend to use labels tied to their hair type, skin color, and facial features instead. The labels have different meanings depending on what island or country you're in because they can vary regionally. Now, Lopez adds that the concept of what category you fall under depends on the percentage of black blood an individual have. I'm going to repeat that again. You are basically, you fall under a category depends on the percentage of black blood an individual have. Meaning, yes, Latinos have black blood in them. You have to understand, during the transatlantic slave trade, there was a lot of black people brought to those areas. So, yes, people got together. And people with this darker skin, you know, they have obviously probably a little bit more black blood in them than, than others. Some people may be more indigenous than others. But the phenotype of a person don't really talk about blood either because a person could look more white looking and could be heavily, um, you know, with a indigenous phenotype or I'm not phenotype, I'm sorry, blood, or it could be African or, or whatever. So the way a person look doesn't really determine, you know, what's in them. But that's very interesting. They judge things off of the amount of black blood you have and basically the darker of the skin. So it was stating that, the Latin American and Spanish Caribbean racial classification system is similar to the old racial classification system used by blacks in the U S and the West Indies. She talked about, and she mentioned race as a social construct invented by Europeans intended to divide people in households uh, with no scientific method. Now it's amazing how they was even be able to do that because the majority of the world has some sort of color to them. They're the only group of people in the world that do not have the amount of melanin as definitely us and other people. But yet they have convinced us and the rest of the world that they're better due to their uh, lack of melanin that they don't have. That's very interesting. So they said the phrase colorism may have developed because it's incorrect to say that, um, and they're using people of color, I can't stand that word are racist because they are part of an oppressed group. She said, if racism did not exist in the Latino community, they would not be so color conscious and colorism would not exist. 
It said, Lopez concludes, whether we want to admit it or not, colorism affects all Latinos. It's no surprise that if you ask most Latinos about the experience of colorism, everyone has a story. So they talk about a woman by the name of Zelina Bennett, a Latina of Honduran descent, told hip Latina that her mother grew up in a household where she was told that having lighter skin tone was favored over being dark. So she said her mother, who is lighter than me, which she said grew up in Honduras and was taught that light skin was beautiful and darker skin was less preferred. He said, however, Ben's mother didn't want her to ever question her skin color and instead encouraged her to embrace her beauty. As a result, Bennett didn't grow up with an unhealthy outlook based on her complexion. Now they have this other uh, lady by the name of Darley, I'm sorry, Darlena Suriel, a Dominican woman who also identifies as Afro-Latina, experienced a similar form of colorism in her household. He said, colorism has always felt to me like an elephant in the room that would not be directly addressed or acknowledged, but its presence was strongly felt. She explains, adding, especially in family settings like mine, where the skin tones of family members represent all colors of a broad racial spectrum. Now, Suriel says that it came to light when she was being compared to her closest cousin, who she describes as a complexion of Snow White and has a naturally golden hair of Cinderella. Um, they said, continuing, since my cousin and I were born in the same city less than two years apart and were raised together by the same people sharing the same culture, religion, and beliefs, I never considered that we would be viewed differently by our society because of something as irrelevant as skin color. Said, However, I couldn't help but notice that when speaking about her beauty, relatives would always praise the whiteness of her skin, her noticeably rosy cheeks, and her natural blonde hair. Meanwhile, I was constantly warned in a fearful tone to stay out of the sun so I do not get darker as if receiving melanin from the sun was a tragic form of disfigurement. I mean, that is crazy. I mean, just even for me to hear that, because, you know, we got black people that's even darker than me, and we have black people that's extremely light-skinned. And I know we have our own colorism issues in the black community, and it definitely uh, reflect, um, you know, the white supremacist system. But hearing this, I mean, this is kind of colorism to another level to me because we don't tell, you know, uh, people that's darker, don't be in the sun because you're going to get darker. And no, we don't say that. No, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure you have some people that screwed up in our community that said some stupidity like that, but that's not the norm. Okay. So they say, while uh, some of the first experienced colorism at home, others experienced it through different social settings. So actress and comedian Lanelli Wiles, a Puerto Rican um, and black Latina explains that she first experienced colorism through the entertainment industry as a child. Well, that doesn't surprise me. It's a true colorism she experienced through auditioning for and watching the channels like Univision and Telemundo. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, I had interviewed um, Brenda Lazama, and she talked about how that all the women who work for the Univisions, the Telemundos, they don't like to hire too much Afro-Latinas. They want to hire the white-looking ones, not even the darker ones, but they always want to hire the white-looking ones to be on TV. So, you know, she confirmed even to me in that interview that even like in Mexico, they would tell you, no, nah, you're too dark. I want somebody white-looking to promote this. I want somebody white-looking to do that. And they're pretty upfront with it, and they don't have like no discrimination you know, like we have here where you can contact the EEOC or whatever. So you just stuck if you're dark. I mean, you treat it different and it's not right at all. I said, now the reason why we're bringing this up is because we have a lot of people coming from different countries with those particular attitudes. And I'm going to get to why this is important that we understand this. 
So Wiles would audition for Spanish commercials, but knew she wasn't going to be booked because she was the wrong shade. She said that was back in the nineties and she never saw females who looked like her on TV. So she was convinced she didn't look Latina. She also noticed similar atmospheres when she went to English speaking auditions. She said, you remember going to auditions where they had white kids go first and the black kids and the white kids were usually cast for the role. Now they said, as one would imagine, if you're darker complexion and you grew up being told that lighter skin is better, you may start to develop some resentment. For some, this comes in the form of denial, rejecting their roots, or some may start identifying as white. Okay? So you see that a lot of times that I know you guys talk about that and you, you guys say that, oh, well, they call themselves white, 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 white Latino. Well, this is why the, a lot of them are doing that. So when they come to America, Oh, now I don't have to be treated like I was treated back home. So if you're a darker skinned person, now you're not the darkest person in the room. It black people's the darkest person in the room. So now I can participate with the same things and I can call myself white and America will allow me to call myself white because they want to get the benefits directed to white people. You have to understand they inflate their numbers with the census bureau. So white people can get the majority of the resources. Understand that because they know good and well, when it goes down, those white supremacists, they know exactly what those people are. They're going to tell you right in your face. You not no white person. So don't even call yourself that. That's why I don't know why they sit up there and, and think that is like some sort of compliment or a step up in life to label yourself as white. I don't know why, but I mean, that's just, you know, kind of how they feel based off of what, you know, we seeing here. So Surya recalls hearing comments made in her household about darker skin being unattractive. So she said her father, who is black, he's Afro Latino, black brother is that, and his sister who was a bit lighter would tell me that I could not date nor marry a black man because they were not considered good looking. Now understand her father is a black man and you telling your daughter not to marry a black man, but they won't ever tell them don't marry no white man. They won't tell them that they, they, they would love for them to marry a white man. You understand? It just completely screwed up. It's a screwed up behavior that I would tell my child don't marry a black man and I'm black myself. That sounds stupid. Since she explains her father had even convinced himself that he was repulsive because of his skin tone. He said, I have heard many times my father called himself ugly because he was dark skinned. And since we share the same complexion, I would sometimes feel as though he was calling me ugly as well. She says, man, that is a screwed up mentality to have. I mean, racism, white supremacy have got you so tied up and screwed up in your mind that you look in the mirror and say you are ugly because of your dark skin. And you look at these white folks or white looking uh, Latinos and say, Oh, they're so much better than me. They look so, well, who says they look better than you? Like that's, that's dumb. I, I don't, I don't get that, but that's for me as my mindset, other people, they're not where I'm at yet. So that's why I have to always consider that. Surya elaborates that she met many people who were ashamed of their roots and refused to accept that they're black. She says from my father to my ex-boyfriend to random Afro Latinos I engaged in conversation with, they seem to identify primarily with their culture than their race. He said, Wiles recalls knowing a woman with the same complex who took it a step further. She says, I knew this beautiful Dominican lady growing up who revealed to my family that she files her legal documents as a white woman, but she is very, very dark skinned. He said, in fact, research has found that some Latinos are beginning to identify as white when they fill out census forms. The theory behind that is because there has been an increase of, in intermarriage and a decline of immigration from Latin American countries 
that some Hispanic Americans are losing touch of their roots, reducing the likelihood they can call themselves Hispanic or Latino. So as a sensitive topic of colorism, uh, they say it's important to have conversations with other Latinos about it. I say even though we're all part of the same community, there's also no denying that white or white presenting Latinos reap the benefits of white privilege. That can cause a problem. Well, even when they're all communities, that could. They say white privilege is societal set aside and for unearned benefits given to those who are white. But in the article, they say people of color, which they say I can't stand this statement, have to work harder to achieve education, better jobs, etc. So they have their own, you know, white supremacy issues within their own countries. Now, why are we talking about this? And how does this, you know, relate to us here? Well, you have, as I stated earlier, that mindset coming over here. And, you know, a lot of people will say, and I even have, you know, a lot of people that subscribe to me, you know, are Hispanic and they talk about, you know, these issues and they say, well, I don't understand what's going on with black people and Hispanic people. You know, we've always had no issues and problems. What's going on now? Cause you know, you have uh, Puerto Ricans, you know, they, they grew up in the black communities, you know, and a lot of them you know, understand that they have black, you know, in them. Then, you know, at least when I grew up, they had Mexicans around where I grew up at. It was never no issues and problems. Now, I know people from California would say, well, they had a different experience. And now, so when you're hearing all this going on now uh, with people coming in and I don't know their mindset or whatever, now you're seeing the, all this, you know, beefing back and forth, um, the racism, the people like Martin Rivera on the Dallas Police Department, which, you know, when black folks used to always fight for the Hispanic community. That's why you, you hear them say black and brown constantly because they would always fight for them. But the issues that I am seeing and while this is becoming more and more of a problem is because those that may, you know, would be against the racism within their own community, they don't have prominent figures to come and say, hey, y'all need to stop this crap and checking their own people with certain things that they're doing. And you don't have them calling out certain things that happen uh, with us because there was this particular video that I saw, I think um, Tariq Nasheed had posted, and it was of a Mexican girl, and she was saying that, I don't understand why black people don't, don't want to side with us with this you know, issue and like why, why they don't want to you know, help us anymore and this and that third. That's what she kept saying in the video. And then I saw a lot of responses and they were saying, well, you don't speak up for us when something happened to us. So why should we speak up? So that's how it is, is going both ways on that. Um, I will say this much. At the end of the day, I don't personally believe that black folks are winning fighting against Hispanics and Hispanics is not winning fighting against us because at the end of the day, both of you still in the same country, in the same condition. That's really what it is. Now, black folk is the main target. Black, this country is built off of anti-black hatred, anti-black racism. Yes, I understand that. And, you know, these folks, they're using them coming across the border to basically get cheap labor because they know good and well they can't pay black people pennies on the dollar um, to go to a farm and pick some fruit. They would have to pay us at least minimum wage and, and we're not going to put up with that. If that's the kind of job that we want to do, they, you know, threaten it, call ice on them so they can abuse them. Um, there are crimes that happen to them um, and they don't report it because they're afraid that they going to call ice on them. Um, so they know they can't do that to me. They know they can't do that to any other black person. We ain't gonna put up with that in not two seconds. 
We have a lot of advocacy groups if we choose to fight. But what I will say is this. You may have some colorism issue, but I'm going to keep repeating what I've repeated before. We're not your enemy. Black people are not your enemy. You're not. And if really, I'll, I'll say this a long time ago. If, if, if it would have been particular people that have rose to the forefront and, you know, led different things for the Latino community and partnered with a lot of brothers and sisters on things, I believe a lot more could have got done, but because they never had anyone rise to the forefront or become a person as prominent within that community and never reciprocated the olive branch that we have seen um, from the past, like from Jesse Jackson, Minister Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, et cetera. And whether you agree with them or not, um, they did reach out, you know, and, and say, hey, we need to look out for them because they understood that, hey, were well, they having a connection to, they have black blood in them. They, we all know that if you understand history. So that's why a lot of times they would say, you know, black and brown, et cetera. But what's happening is, you know, you have, you know, people like Rivera, you have people that's in politics or whatever, and then they get in certain positions and then what's going on and not saying, well, hey, let me look out for my uh, black brothers, you know, while I'm in this position because we, we want to stick together. They're saying, like, forget black folk. We just worrying about ourselves. And since everybody is getting to this extreme tribalism in America, that's why you're seeing more and more of that um, that's going on from what I'm seeing. It's just becoming extreme tribalism, kind of like, in African nations, they have, you know, tribalism and they don't help out each other, even though they, you know, well, they the same people, but tribalism is bad um, in a lot of ways and you can't get nowhere with that. So the black people are the darker indigenous people who are of Latino descent. They go through a lot more and it's an issue and it is a problem. But what I will say is, you know, lead that mess where you at. That's what I would say. We ain't your enemy. Black folks, as you can see, are some of the most forgiving people in the world. We are set up here and forgive murderers that kill our people. Um, all of, you know, this is what we we'll do. Uh, you know, they can come in churches and shoot nine of us, and we're crying in, in court that we we'll forgive you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what we get uh, as black people. So what I'm saying is, if there's some issues and problems that some people, you know, some people come tell me, I understand why black people aren't this way anymore, or why can't we do this, why can't we do that? Well, it has to go both sides. That's any kind of relationship. If you are in a relationship with a man or a woman, and, you know, just one person's doing everything, and you're not doing nothing in the relationship, eventually that relationship is going to fall apart. You can't just take, 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 and not do any giving. That's the way that works. And so it has to, from just me being honest, it has to be work on both sides. But I know black people have definitely reached out. A lot of our leaders have reached out. And, you know, we're not seeing anything like this. So about George Zimmerman, Rivera, this would be a perfect time for people to rise up and check Rivera in the Hispanic community. Not, not the black community, because black folks, I know how we are. We see a, a bunch of people checking people like that. It's like, okay, they down. They just say that in third. I already know how black people are. But my thing is, you gonna have to step up, like like Nick Fury said um, in Spider Man. Uh, what is that? Far from home. You say you gonna step up or what? That's just really what it is. You can't you know not step up and not say nothing, because black folks have stepped up for a long time. So if the relationship you say you want it to be a better relationship, people got to step up and handle things as they see fit. Because when you be quiet, let me tell you something from experience. 
when you're quiet and other people is doing things and talking for you and you don't like show any kind of rebuttal or defense, that's when it's pretty bad. And that's when people are going to believe the worst of the worst. You understand? Y'all have to step up about these gangs in California that's targeting black folks. Y'all got to step up and, and talk about y'all Pookie and Ray Ray's. You know what I'm saying? If you want things to um, be better, that's just, I'm just talking about a solution because the way things are going, everybody's just being extremely tribal and it's going to get worse and worse and worse because America's built off of division. America's built off of hate. They love it. They thrive from it. But when that shooter went to El Paso and he shot all those people in Walmart, I noticed that our, you know, Hispanic friends was talking about racism, white supremacy. And at that moment, they felt how we felt scared. A lot of times don't know what's going on. Cause a lot, that's beyond black people scared. A lot, a lot of things, nervous, seeing that how he was treated. They felt the exact same way. And I said that a long time ago, Hispanics is not getting any special treatment in the racism and racism, white supremacy. They're about, they own, they're about white folks. They're not about them or y'all. That's why I don't understand. You got a Hispanic sometimes almost dark as me talking about make America great again. Like, really? I'm like Trump. He came out of the gate talking about, especially Mexicans and y'all following Trump of all people. I'm just saying, I'm saying on, on that aspect, you know, but Hey, they got sellouts in their group too. Obviously with what I see. So, you know, they need to fix that colorism issue in their community and just much. We got to fix it in ours as well. But the only thing I would say is the relationship got to be on both sides. Somebody got to step up in the Latino community. that want to, um, say you represent for the grassroots, you represent for the streets. That's really what you got to do. I mean, it just, uh, you want to choose a rapper to do it. I don't know who y'all want to choose to do it, but somebody has to do it. I mean, preferably maybe someone that's a U.S. citizen, so they can't try to deport you or nothing. Um, but it, but it has to be done because that's the only thing that I could see that maybe can fix some things. Uh, because one thing about black people, we aren't hateful people. And we, as I stated before, we are very forgiving people. Um, but you know, we're not going to just have people just keep, you know, allowing us to be kicked, even though not all people are doing it. No, not all are doing it, but it's not enough pushback. Um, when things are happening and that's, you know, what I'm talking about uh, on this, well, you know, this, this article is very, very interesting. And we definitely got to even new people coming to this country. Cause a lot of times they come into black neighborhoods, you know, you gotta let them know you can be a neighbor here if that's the case, but don't come over here talking about you're going to take over and you're going to look down on us because in your country, you know, you look down on darker people. No, you leave that mess where you come from. If you're in El Salvador, that mess, Guatemala, wherever you come from, leave it over there. Well, come here with that mess because all you're going to do is stir up more issues, you know, that's going on by doing that. And, and you know, it, right now people are clicking up together right now and it's a powder keg in America. I really see it, man. That's why I say, you know, I have to have just a, another place, at least for, for my family. They you know, we need to do something or whatever, because you know, these people are just losing their minds. So, um, this, article like i said before was very very interesting but very telling especially the part about uh how much black blood you have and not wanting to be with a black man even though your your parent could be black 
but leave me your thoughts. Thank you for listening to the Philo Scott audio experience. I hope you learned something from our program. Make sure if it's your first time here, go and check out all the episodes that we have. Stop binge listening. That way you can get acclimated to everything that we're talking about. If you like our show and we would greatly appreciate you liking the show, support us monthly. You can do it as little as a dollar or more. Support of the show helps us to keep going, helps us to change, upgrade, buy equipment. You know, eventually we're going to start bringing guests in and we want to make sure we put on a great show for you guys. So support is definitely something that we greatly appreciate. We definitely appreciate all our supporters that we have now. We love you. We cherish you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. See you next time.